All right, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6 again to start out, but we're not going to stay there long. We'll read verse 18. I mentioned last week this matter about being in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, speaking in the Spirit. There's a lot of verses in the New Testament about that. You think it's important? You think it's optional? You think it's that you can be a Christian and walk in the flesh? And that's all? Well, no, you can't. You just can't. Romans 8 9, let me just read that before we read in Ephesians, but it says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Simple. Simple deal. Not only that, but then there's a verse in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. says, For we are the circumcision. He's not talking about the Jews. We are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So the people of God, the circumcision, the real deal the ones who really know God and walk with God, the real redeemed children of God walk in the Spirit. They worship in the Spirit. Can't worship God any other way. God's a Spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. So it's an important matter. And we need to understand it. Those three little words. In the Spirit. What does it mean? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now that we preached about that the last time I think that we were here. So uh, let's pray. Father, help us now. I pray. I pray that you would give us what we need here tonight and give us the understanding so that we would... Understand this properly. Pray nobody would misunderstand. And I pray that we would be clear enough on these points that are so, so easily misunderstood. Please, guard us against that tonight and help us. I pray, Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Spirit is a phrase that's found in the Bible 28 times. Three times in the Old Testament, 25 times in the New Testament. How about that? I'll tell you something right there. There's a new covenant. There's a difference between the old and the new. Lots of differences. The new's better. Better promises. Better sacrifices. It's a better covenant. So, nine times in the New Testament, the word spirit is capitalized. In those 25 times that in the Spirit is mentioned, nine times the Spirit is capitalized. That means, that shows us that it is referring to the Holy Spirit of God, not to our spirit, not to any other spirit, specifically to the Spirit of God. The other 16 times the word Spirit is not capitalized, showing that it's referring to our own spirit or some other spirit. So there's two different aspects of this thing of in the spirit walking in the spirit living in the spirit speaking in the spirit you know so many different things there but i mean there's two different aspects walking in the spirit god walking in the spirit us our spirit 
So listen carefully. I pray you will. To be in the Spirit basically means to be in a state of mind and of heart where the influence of the spiritual is dominant over the influence of the earthly and the temporal. Now, think with me about that. I've thought about this and studied and prayed, and, and I believe that's right. And I'll tell you why here in a few minutes. Now, to be in the Spirit, that's a little s, basically means to be in a state of mind and of heart where the influence of the spiritual is dominant over the influence of the earthly and the temporal. To be in the Spirit with a capital S means to be in a condition of mind and heart where the Spirit of God has the preeminence over all earthly cares and concerns and influences. Now, I didn't get that out of a commentary. Nobody deals with this. Nobody talks about this. They just brush past it and go on like you understand what it's talking about and nobody understands what the Bible's talking about. They just It's one of those mysteries, one of those little word things that you just say, but it's really meaningless. And people assume that it means different things that it doesn't mean. So that's why we're looking at it here tonight. So, you're, you, you know, to be in the Spirit means that, capital S, means that God has preeminence over all earthly cares, concerns, and influence at this present moment. Sometimes you're in the Spirit. Sometimes you're not. To be in the Spirit. It doesn't mean that we're in some kind of trance or some supernatural state where our mind is taken over by another power, not even by the Spirit of God. God doesn't work that way. And God doesn't deal with us that way. He doesn't do it by force. Our submission to God and His influence over our mind and our heart and our life is always voluntary, never by force on God's part or by some mysterious working that's beyond us. The grace of God is the only means to be in the Spirit as the grace of God is the divine influence upon the heart and mind and life. That's another truth that you'll find out the same way as I'm going to tell you in a minute here that this truth is found out. You, one way you can look in a dictionary and see that's what grace is. The whole world thinks it's unmerited favor, but grace is that. It's not unmerited favor. That's a wrong definition for grace. Grace is favor, but it's not unmerited favor. God calls, and He woos us, and He invites us, but He doesn't drag us in against our will. He doesn't. God calls you. He speaks to your heart. He woos you. He draws you. The Father draws you to Himself, but He does not grab you around the neck and choke you into submission. You know, contrary to what a lot of people think, He don't beat you. He don't punish you. He don't make you have bad luck until you finally will turn to Him. So to be in the Spirit is to be voluntarily under the influence and guidance of the Spirit of God as the dominant influence on our mind and our heart and our life to be in the Spirit. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Yeah. To be in the Spirit is to be focused on the, and I'm talking about in the little s. To be in the Spirit, little s, is to be focused on the spiritual 
and dwelling there in your mind, seeking those things which are above instead of those things which are below, the earthly and the temporal. Now, y'all follow me. You know, marking the difference there between God, the Spirit of God, being the major dominant influence in your mind at this moment, right now, and being in the Spirit, little less, is just the state of mind where you're focused on the spiritual and you're seeking and you're looking and you're searching for God and, and considering the things of God above the natural things and physical things that are around us and the temporal. How do we know what it means to be or to walk in the Spirit? Well, it's the same way we learn anything about God or anything spiritual. This is very important what I'm fixing to tell you here. First, if you you know if you got something that you want to study about and you ought to, you ought to your mind ought to. If you are walking in the spirit, little less, you'll have things in your mind, questions and desires to know about things of God, different subjects and different matters of life and eternity and and right and wrong. I mean, you'll want to know. So what are you going to do? Google it. Find some preacher or some self-proclaimed authority to explain it to you. Scan the commentaries everywhere. What do you do? How do you find the truth? First, you look at all the scriptures which refer to the subject that you're trying to understand. Go to the Bible. Get your concordance. Go to the Bible. Look up all the verses that mention this matter, that refer to it, that talk about it. Read them, read them, read them. Meditate on them. And then pray for God to give you understanding. Now this is the way that I've learned everything that I know almost. And it may not be much, but what I do know, I know well. Because that's the way I learned it. When you, you read your Bible and read what it says, and then you pray and meditate on it and pray for God to give me understanding. And you want to know what happens? Just, you'll just go along like you're just beating your head against the wall for a while. And you just, I don't know, I just can't understand. And then all of a sudden, it's just like somebody flips the light on and you, And it's there. You, under, you see it. Alright. Then, when you believe the Spirit of God has given you an understanding, you've got to go back through those Scriptures and deal with this subject again and make sure that this understanding that you think God's given you fits in all of the verses that mention it. It's that way with the grace of God that I mentioned a while ago. Start studying your Bible and read verses and if you think that it means unmerited favor and that's all it means, you're going to run into some big obstacles reading the Word of God. But if you'll understand it as the divine influence upon the heart and life and mind, then it'll just open the Scriptures to you. You'll read those verses where it says that and you'll apply it there. You'll say, wow. You can do that with this matter too. In the Spirit. If it fits, then we know God has given us an understanding. If it doesn't fit, then we know that this understanding we have is flawed. Been there too. I thought, that's it. And then I go back to the Scriptures and start looking and it's like, oh, no. No, that can't be. Can't work that way. So you chunk it because it came from your own mind or your heart or the devil's tried to lie to you and slip one in on you. So to walk in the Spirit or, capital S, or in the Spirit, little s, 
is contrary to walking in the flesh. To walk in the Spirit is contrary to walking in the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's either or. You can't do both at the same time. The command of the Scripture is to walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh. Now we've got to stop right here and understand something. There's an ongoing battle and struggle to walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh. Now that's the struggle in a Christian's life. Our struggle, this is not talking about sin and righteousness. Our struggle is not to do right and not to sin. Our struggle is right here to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. That's the struggle. There will always be this struggle as long as we live in this world. We live in a physical world and we live in a physical body. And so we have physical needs and concerns and obligations that demand our attention. You work. We work jobs. We got other things to do that demand our attention. I mean, there's things that you have to pay attention to what you're doing. I mean, it demands your mind and your thoughts exclusively for a certain amount of time. The only way we can stop that is just go to some monastery on a mountain somewhere in the wilderness and just seclude ourselves there. But do you think that's what God put us here to do? Do you think that is really spiritual now when you come right down to it? No, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we're here to fight the good fight of faith. And we're here to be ambassadors for Christ. And we're here to win. We're here to have victory. We're not here to be defeated. And there's no such thing if you walk in the Spirit. You have to walk in the Spirit, little s, before you can walk in the Spirit, big s. You can't do one and not the other. So the struggle we have is not to allow these physical things to dominate our mind, our thoughts, our lives, and attach themselves to our hearts. Hope you're listening. The struggle that we have. It's, it's not to let the world, the cares of life, the drama of life, all of the responsibilities and the noise around us to keep us from walking with God. It's the battle. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Well, everybody that I've ever known, they interpret that verse to prove that, that it is you really we're just defeated sinners that claim to be Christians. That's most people interpret that. That's what it means. That the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, so you just can't do right no matter what you do. I thought, my goodness. Well, that don't fit with so many other scriptures. I read some out of Romans 8, and we're going to read some more here in a minute, but read that and then compare that interpretation. Chunk it! Not right! It's a contradiction completely if you understand that verse that way. This works both ways. There are times when we cannot do the things that we would concerning walking in the Spirit because of the demands of life. Now, we just got to face the fact and be honest about it and, and be clear about it. There's times when we can't 
pray like we want to pray because there's too much going on here. And, and um, there's too, too much demands here of this life, physical, whatever. And I can give you examples, but surely you know what I'm talking about. There ain't no one of us that walks in the Spirit continually, all the time. But the overall view of it, it better be the dominant thing in your life. The Bible talks about different times. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Well, where was he the rest of the time? Did you ever think of that? Ezekiel said, talked about being in the Spirit on a certain time, in a certain place. So, I hope you understand that. This is one of those things that I said when I was praying. You'd better be careful right here that you don't misunderstand this. And a lot of people take that for an excuse to not walk in the Spirit. There is no excuse not to walk in the Spirit. If you'll keep listening to me, maybe we can make it a little more clear here. But we got to acknowledge the true fact that our minds are not focused on the things of God and spiritual matters exclusively all the time. Neither can they be. That's just fact of the matter. Do y'all understand that? Is there anybody here now that claims that you're in the Spirit all the time? Where that the Spirit of God has complete dominion of your mind, of your heart, of your mouth, everything. I don't think so. Victory is found in staying close to home and touching base often. We've got to discipline our mind and remember God often and call home often and not go for hours without thinking of Him and forgetting the spiritual while we're immersed in the physical cares of life. This will help you so much if you just listen to this and believe it's the truth. I believe I can tie it all together in the end and show you it is the truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Ain't that wonderful? Amen. Next time you think you're about to go under, read that verse. Then go ahead and drown, if you can. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5, and verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Yes, I don't see a lot of room for backsliding and carnal Christians, do you? No. Revelation chapter 12, and verse 11. Bible says this, I've always loved this verse. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They loved not their lives. Well, what did they love? You're going to love something. You're either going to love your life, you're going to love this world, or you're going to love God. Romans 8, verse 37 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. Not just conquerors. More than conquerors. I mean, it ain't even a close call. We don't just barely. We sang a song a while ago, almost, almost, almost. You know, we had this little saying that we always had, a miss is as good as a mile. <laughs> what was the deal about horseshoes? Uh, close don't count except in horseshoes. And hand grenades, yeah. 
That's not the way it is in this battle. We're more than conquerors. Yes, amen. Don't be throwing no pity party. Don't be testifying about how weak and feeble you are and how you just barely make it and you just can't. You've heard the testimonies in church. Please pray for me. What in the world? Thanks be to God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. We're more than conquerors. It also works the other way. This deal about the flesh and the spirit lusting against one another. It works the other way. If we walk in the spirit, you listening. We cannot do those things which we would do if we were walking in the flesh. What about that? Why does everybody interpret it the other way instead of that way? I read that verse and it says to me that if I'm walking in the spirit, I'm not going to be fulfilling the lust of the flesh. I can't do that anymore. That's what it tells me. That if I'm saved and I belong to God and the Spirit of Christ is in me and I'm walking in the Spirit, that all goes together. Then I can't live like that anymore. Alright, Galatians 5 verse 18. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. I know a bunch of people that's not led by the Spirit, but they're boasting about not being under the law. They're wrong. The works of the flesh are listed here in between those verses. Verses 19 through 21 of Galatians chapter 5. He, he starts that and then there's the, the works of the flesh. Right. He's explaining the works of the flesh when he's talking about the flesh lusted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. And then also you have the fruit of the spirit there in that chapter. So he's comparing what I'm talking about here tonight. You walk in the spirit. You're going to be a different person. You're not going to be a sinner. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're not going to be boasting about being a sinner. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 and 25 says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's after the works of the flesh are manifest there. So this is the whole subject of Romans chapter 8. Let me just read this to you. If you want to look there, it's not very far away. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. I just want to read it real quick. We've never forgot that Brother Owen preached on Romans chapter 8 for at least a year and a half in a row and uh, did not exhaust it. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And if you've got any kind of version except the King James, that's all it will say right there. They leave out who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. But that's the qualifier. There's no condemnation to those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. There it is again. You see that? For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh and but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. 
For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. How many times have I heard a preacher say, Well, I just got in the flesh the other day, and I... That's contrary to the Bible. So what is the dominating influence in your daily life? I'm just going to put it straight to you here. What is the dominating influence in your daily life, in your daily thoughts? Think about it. Is it the Spirit of God? Or is it the cares of life? The drama, the affairs of others, the problems of life, the problems and sins and foolishness of others, the things you have to do, the things that are burdening you down, the things that are concerning you. I mean, what is it that dominates your thoughts? You just need to think about that a minute. You, I'm talking to you. Don't worry about everybody else. You, you need to ask yourself that question. And you need to determine what, where you stand here. How often do you call home when you're busy about your daily affairs? You understand what I'm meaning when I say call home? How often do you think of God? How often do you call on Him to say, oh Lord, I'm not forgot you. Help me. You just need to think about that and be honest with yourself. How often do you touch base with God during your busy day and in all the confusion and demands of your daily life? Do you know what it is to have victory over the world? Do you? Really? I mean, now, we're, that's not some vague cliche that we just put out there. Victory over the world. Victory over the world. The world that you live in. The world that has all the problems. The world that is constantly enticing you, inviting you, constantly lying to you, constantly harassing you, constantly demanding of you. Have victory over the world around you. I don't see too many people that have victory over the world or over their own self. Period. That's what I see. Just observing people and understanding what this means. I don't see too many people that have victory. Do you know what it is to have victory over the world? In your daily problems, in the burdens, in the responsibilities, in the cares. Can you walk with God and handle all that? Or does that just eat you up? Uh, Totally consume your mind, your thoughts, your heart, your feelings, your talk. And over the influence of others to control your thoughts and your moods and your spirit. Do you know what it is to have victory over that? Over the influence? To not let others affect your moods, your thoughts, your spirit. If somebody's in a bad mood, that means they got a bad spirit. That means there's an evil spirit troubling them. Well, when you come along and somebody's in a bad mood, do you get in a bad mood? Well, if you're walking in the Spirit, thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. You, you, won't, you won't be drawn into that whirlpool. You'll know how to handle it. If you're walking in the Spirit, you'll say, Lord, help me here. Help them. Lord, rebuke this evil spirit out of our home, out of our church, out of this workplace. Are you satisfied with where you are in this matter? 
Are you satisfied with the measure of your spirituality in all this? I mean, spiritual. Are you a spiritual person? Or are you a worldly, earthly person? Well, you may dress right, you may go to church, you may do all of that, but I mean, come on. That's not where it's at. There's religion, and then there's walking in the Spirit. There's religion, and there's living in the Spirit, being in the Spirit, worshiping in the Spirit, having spiritual understanding. That's a different thing than just religion. Religion won't help you with none of this. Religion leaves you under the dominion of the world. It's influence. The moods of other people. Their bad spirits. Their problems. Their evil deeds. Their pride. Their contempt for us. For you. Whatever. <clears throat> but are you satisfied where you're at? How spiritual are you? Or maybe we ought to ask how carnal are you? Ooh. A lot of Christians are okay with that. They think you can be a carnal Christian. They such a thing. Old Billy Mitchell said if there's such a thing as that, there's got to be such a thing as a heavenly devil too. There's no such thing. It's a contradiction in terms. Carnal. Look it up in a dictionary. First definition is unregenerate. Do the cares of life get you down? Just stop talking about that a little bit. How can the cares of life get you down when you're walking in the Spirit? Capital S. Or do you find victory? Cares of life, they get you down or you find victory? Lots of problems in life. You know, our brother's up there sick, in trouble. Uh, Brother Jim got cancer, he's in trouble. When it's your family, when it's concern, well, everybody, God understands the concern. But where's the victory? I mean, why? I wonder why. I hear people and they testify and they talk about how they love God and they trust God and God's good and all that and then something like that come and then they're just... I don't understand that. I just don't understand. I'm sorry. Where's your God? Are you serious about all this? Or are you just saying that going along? You're just floating down the river with everybody else. Is there anything in you? I mean, why can't your heart rest in God? Why can't you hope in God? Why can't you lay that burden on the altar and leave it there? Will you sing songs like that? And leave it there. Leave it there, remember? But people, I don't see people doing that. I see people just toting their own burdens. We used to show that movie in Mexico, the, the Pilgrim's Progress. And you remember how it happened when the Pilgrim was going out and that burden rolled off of his back. Yes. And all the people would cry and shout because the burden is gone. What is all this with people that are supposed to be Christians that's got such burdens? Life's just got them down and they're just down, boy, just down. Can't hardly, they're just struggling to make it and just... So many problems and boo-hoo-hoo. Where is God in your life? Where is the Spirit of God in your life that gives you peace and joy no matter what? Paul and Silas in prison at midnight sang psalms and praised God. In jail. (laughs) Chained to the wall probably. You know, I mean, can you see them in the stocks there? Singing. 
and praising God. Because God's good. A lot of people say it now. God's good all the time. But that's a saying that a lot of people get a hold of and they say it. But then when trouble comes their way or somebody says something about them, boy, they ain't got no peace at all. They can't say God's good in this. You ought to be able to say God's good no matter what's going on. And you ought to have peace in your heart. And you ought to be able to smile. Knowing that God is in control of it all. And that it's going to be alright. If you find victory, you'll find peace and contentment amidst the problems and cares of life and you'll not be feeling overwhelmed and defeated and downcast and depressed and hopeless. That don't happen. I know, you can go read, you can read Spurgeon, he'll tell you it does. You can read all kinds of Christian authorities and they'll tell you, now that's the way it is, buddy. I mean, you just, uh, you think I don't know what it feels like to have problems? Big problems, big disappointments, big licks at the heart and all of that. But I also know what it feels like to know that God knows and God is in control and we'll be all right. Going to make it. I'm in God's hands. And everything that happens to me came through Him first. You walk in the Spirit, you just, there's just an overwhelming peace that comes with that knowledge. See, I'm saying it to you and a lot of people just say, well, that's what you say. You just wait. You just wait. It happens to you. Now, go ahead. Send her on. God is God. And hitherto hath He helped me. You. And we'll, we'll make it on through. So if you find victory, and He always causes us to find the victory. To triumph. Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Triumph is victory. Right. It's not a truce. It's not a, a ceasefire <laughs> between us and the devil. A triumph is total vanquish. You, you make it. You triumph. You win with joy. And mm-hmm. well, what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. And so you can know, you can know about yourself as well as everybody else knows about you where you're walking, whether it's after the flesh or in the spirit. Our language betrays us. <laughs> what comes out of, out of here came right out of here. First, Jesus said so. Everything comes out of the mouth, comes, proceeds and comes forth from the heart. The good man out of, out of the goodness of his heart brings forth good fruit. And evil, evil fruit. You know why God got so mad at Israel so much? Why he was so put out with them? Because of their murmuring and complaining. Because they didn't believe him. They didn't trust him. Their unbelief caused them to murmur and complain and gripe and be discontent. Let me tell you, if you're walking in the Spirit, you'll be content. Whatsoever state you're in. With whatever, whatsoever things you have, you'll be content. You won't be griping and complaining and moaning and groaning and blaming and yes, doing everything but cussing because you ain't got what you want. Yep. You're walking in the Spirit, you're going to be content. And there will be a fragrance around you that makes other people at ease and content also. Alright, I'm almost done here. I just want to read a verse. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, the same chapter where the works of the flesh, where he's talking about the Spirit and the flesh, lusting against one another. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Fruit of the Spirit is faith. Did you, you ever think about that? I saw that the other day and that caught my attention. I said, whoa, wait a minute there. Walking in the Spirit will increase your faith. Your faith grows by walking in the Spirit. Little s. And pretty soon you'll be walking in the Spirit. Big s. Your faith will be increased. If you walk in the Spirit. You ain't going to believe nothing. You ain't going to have faith in God if you're walking after the flesh. And the cares of life and, the, and all the troubles and everything's eating your lunch every day and you can't get close to God because you're just stressed out. You're just ragged out with this world and all you got to do and everything that's just riding on you. You're not going to believe God for nothing. You're too far away. Too far away. Walking in the Spirit, God's right here. He's a very, very present help in time of need. But if you're not walking in the Spirit, you're not going to find Him very present and it's not because he's left it's because you've left him why don't you just make up your mind to walk in the spirit more and after the flesh less and why don't you resolve tonight to pay more attention to the spiritual battle that we're in and be a participant and a good soldier of Jesus Christ instead of a pawn of the devil Hmm? well I said a whole lot and I hope you'll chew on it. And I hope you'll think about it. Spiritual warfare is what we're talking about here. And this is mighty important. Walking in the Spirit. In the Spirit. It's not some uh, mystical mystery or something. It's not what it is. It's you being submitted to God. And being submitted to God habitually. It's about striving to walk with God. And not just letting the cares of life get us. We all got them. We're going to have them till, till we leave this world. We're going to have to toil and work. And, and, we're in, and if we get too old to do that, we're still going to have problems in life to deal with. And then we're going to have problems with the devil, always a tormenting us and a taunting us and an accusing us and a lying and a, and a putting things in our way to mess up our minds. Uh, the verse, my mind stayed on thee, his mind stayed on thee. Help me, somebody. There you go. Whose mind is stayed on thee. That's what I'm telling you. You take the things I told you this this evening and and just what it means to be in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. Take that. Go through your Bible. You'll find verses like that. I mean, they're just, the Bible just overwhelms you with every truth like this. When you understand it properly from God, you can go to your Bible and it just opens up like a, like a fountain that you can't swallow it fast enough. I'm telling you, it's pretty exciting. It's wonderful is what it is. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Father, thank you for the Word of God and the truth here. So important. Thank you for the understanding. Thank you for the light on this matter. Please help us all to take it and go with it now and not not just cast it aside. Lord, and may it help us in our daily walk. Lord, that we'd be in the Spirit. We'd walk in the Spirit, not after the flesh. 
Lord, we are in this world and we've got a we've got our work cut out for us. But I pray you'd help us. All we have to do really is run to thee and lean on thee and call unto thee. And you'll take care of the rest of it. You'll show us more than we can assimilate. So Lord, help us now to keep this word of God tonight. And may it help us go with us now in Jesus' name. Amen.